You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to the wonderful, wonderful gospel account, John. John chapter 17, verse 9 is where we will spend our time, verses 9 through 19. Eleven power-packed verses we're going to dive into this morning. Just to remind you of where we're at in the life of Jesus, he is literally now just hours away from his arrest and his crucifixion. He has spent the last 20-some-odd hours with the 11 disciples, Judas, has already left. He is on his way with the Roman guards to arrest him at this very moment. Jesus has spent the, the last several hours with the 11 disciples, equipping them on how they are to live in a hostile world absent of Jesus Christ. Now, he has told them he is going to send the Holy Spirit to them to help them and to empower them, but he is saying, this is how you are to live as authentic disciples. This is how you are to live in my absence until I return. And we have been looking for the last two weeks, today being the third week, we've been looking at this powerful, powerful prayer of Jesus. And and I still have yet to get over the fact that Jesus records this prayer, or John records this prayer by the power of the Holy Spirit. He records this prayer, gives it to us that we can read today, that we can study today, and we see, oh, the overwhelming love of Jesus Christ for you and I today by just studying this powerful, powerful prayer. Before we dig into the text, I want to give you the theme of the message this morning. The theme of the message this morning is this. How can we live in the world but not be of the world? How can we as Christians be in the world and not be of the world? Here's a little different way of saying it uh, that I want you to think about. How can we be in the world and not be of the world when Jesus has sent us into it and God is taking him out of it. Did you get all of that? No, let me say it again. How can we be in the world and not of the world when Jesus has sent us into it and God is taking him out of it? That's where we live today. And Jesus is giving us a plan. He is he is praying for us to live in the world. He knows that we live in it, but he is praying that we would not be of it. And he reveals how we can do that, how we cannot be in the world or how we can be in the world, but not be of the world. John chapter 17, verse 9 Listen to what it says, I pray for them. Jesus is, is praying here. He's praying directly to God the Father, and he is speaking of the disciples, uh, the 11 disciples, but, but he is also speaking of us, all the believers who would, be, who would come after them. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, because they are yours. The world being people who, whose values, whose beliefs, and whose morals are in rebellion to God. And I'm going to, I'll unpack that a little bit more here in just here in just a moment. 
Everything I have is yours, Jesus says to God. Everything I have is yours. And everything you have is mine. And I am glorified in them. I know I am no longer in the world. They are in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father. Listen to what he says. Protect them. Holy Father. Protect them by your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I was protecting them by your name that you have given me. I guarded them. Not one of them is lost except the sign of destruction so that the scripture may be fulfilled. Jesus goes on in his prayer. He says, now I'm coming to you and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Look at verse 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. Underline or or highlight that phrase. Verse 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. Powerful, powerful verse right there. Verse 18, as you sent me, Jesus says to God, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Father, speak to us through your word. It's in your son's precious and holy name I pray. Amen. How are we to live in the world and not be of the world? We have somewhat of an idea on how to do this. If you have ever had the opportunity to go to a large event that is outside, a large outside venue, you know exactly how to do this. A couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to go to the state track meet. I was not running. I was watching uh, teenagers run, but I had a chance to go to the state track meet. And on, I believe it is the north end of the University of Texas track uh, area, there are about six rows of about 30 long porta potties. You follow? You've seen the, the, the sea of blue, something like that, but that's not enough of them. You've seen this, right? You've seen a sea of these things, and you you just, you don't want to, but you have to, right? You just, it, the time comes, and you have to go to one of those blue porta-potties. Now listen, when you go to one of those blue porta-potties, you know what it's like to be in, but not of, right? You go in, and you have, well, you have two goals, but one main goal. The main goal is not what you're thinking. The main goal is to touch as little as possible, right? There's another goal, but that's secondary when you walk into one of those, especially when you are in a large outdoor event with hundreds, maybe thousands of people. You go in and you touch and you allow as little to touch you as possible, right? Be in, but not of. In our text this morning, Jesus is going to show us how we can be in, but not of. But listen, the porta potty analogy breaks down in that it is defensive only. 
Jesus is going to show us how we can be in, but not of, and still impact, still influence those around us. And that's what we're going to see in our text this morning. So how are we to be in the world and not of the world? How can we be in the world, but watch this, and not be absent from the world? Listen, Christians, for generations and generations have done this part very well. We have learned how to be in the world and to be absent from the world. And that was never Jesus's plan. It was never Jesus's plan for Christians to get into a holy huddle and be absent from the world. That's not his plan. So how do we do it? John chapter 17, starting in verse 9. Here's what we see. Number one, how are we to be in the world and not of the world? Here's what I want you to see. Number one, point number one is this. Know that you are being prayed for by the Son of God. How are you to be in the world and not of the world? How are you to be in the world and not absent from the world? Know, number one, that you are being prayed for by the very Son of God. That should wow us. That we, we should not ever get over the fact that Jesus Christ is thinking about you and I. Look at what it says in verse 9. I pray for them. Jesus is just hours away of being crucified. He has a lot of other things that could be on his mind, right? But he is thinking about the disciples. He's thinking about us. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, because they are yours. Jesus is praying. Now watch this. He is praying exclusively for the disciples and any followers of Christ after them. He is praying exclusively for them. And as the text unfolds, we will see that his prayer, although it is exclusive for believers, it is fueled by a love for a lost world. The, point, the reason I point that out is I want you to see that, that Jesus has not called us to be absent. Our in but not of should be fueled by a, a, a passion for a lost world to see them come to faith in Christ. And that's what we see in our text this morning. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world. Listen, this was Jesus' model. Jesus prayed for his disciple. He still prays for his disciples, for his followers. Before Jesus chose the twelve, he spent all night, listen, all night long, eight hours, seven to eight hours long praying for those disciples. Listen, he is an all-knowing God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is all-knowing. He wasn't picking, trying, he wasn't praying about who he was praying for or, or choosing. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to decide who he was going to choose. He was praying for them knowing what they were going to go through. Look at, look at the account. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Write this down in the, in the margin of your Bible. Follow along with me on the screen. Listen to what Jesus says. During those days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and he spent all night in prayer to God. This is Jesus' model. This wasn't anything new. This, this is what Jesus did. John chapter 17 is the, the largest account of his prayer, but this was his model. Listen, he, he did that before he chose the disciples. He prayed for them. 
just before he is to be crucified, we see him praying for his disciples and all those that would come after him. But listen, at this very moment, I am confident that as others are praying for me at this very moment, listen, Jesus Christ is in the glory and splendor of heaven, seated at the right hand of God. With all of the things going on in the world, guess what he is doing? He is interceding on my behalf. He is interceding on your behalf. Look with me in Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. Watch this. He is also at the right hand of God, and he intercedes for us. He is interceding. He is praying for us at this very moment. Before he chose the disciples, just moments before he is to be crucified, seated at the right hand of God. Listen, we can be in the world, not of the world, not absent from the world by the knowledge of knowing the Son of God is praying for us. Oh, may that increase our awe. May that increase our joy. May that increase our peace and confidence in what Jesus Christ has called us to do. Oh, child of God, know that you are being prayed for. Notice in verse 10, the oneness Jesus has with God the Father. Notice the oneness here. Verse, verse 10, Jesus says, everything I have is yours. And everything you have is mine, and I am glorified in them. If you were here last week, you heard us talking about Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, being trophies of God's grace. Listen, God has given us to Jesus, and Jesus has in turn given us to God. And Jesus says, He is glorified in us, followers of Christ. (laughs) Think about that. What a, what a stunning reality that Jesus would look at us and say, I'm glorified in them. You, you, ever, you ever go through a 24-hour period and go to God and say, God, I did pretty good today. You should be able to be glorified in me. <laughs> I've never come close to that. And if Kim was here, she would have amen right then. Never come close. The disciples, never. Listen, we're constantly what tripping over our own selves. We're constantly sticking our foot in our mouth. We're constantly falling to the temptations. And yet Jesus does not look on a perfect disciple and says, hey, I'm glorified in that perfect disciple. No, he says, as a whole, as the 11, and meaning the, the followers, all those that would follow, follow in time, I am glorified in them. Oh, may you know that you are being prayed for by the very Son of God. Number two, number one, know you're being prayed for by the Son of God. Number two, know how you are being prayed for. Know how you are being prayed for. The first way Jesus prays for us 
is he prays for our protection. Now notice, this is defensive. He prays for our protection. Look at what he says. I am no longer in the world. The world being, uh, this, the world being people whose values, whose beliefs, whose morals are in rebellion to God. This word is mentioned several times in John chapter 17. He is not talking about the physical cosmos here. He does in multiple times in this text, but here he is talking about uh, the, the lost world. He is saying, I am no longer in the world. I'm no longer underneath. I'm no longer in their presence, but they, speaking of the disciples, they are in the world. Remember, he's praying to God. God knows this full well, but you hear the passion of Jesus Christ. You hear the love for the disciples. He goes, but they are in the world. I'm coming to you. Holy Father. This is different from when Jesus first references God in John chapter 17, verse 1, when he just says, Father, here he says, Holy Father, protect them. Here's his request. It is an an imperative command. He is He is literally commanding God through this request, protect them. I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. They are still under the influence. They are still in a culture that is rebellious to you. They are still in difficult times. I'm coming to you. So, Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me so that They may be one as we are one. Oh, here's Jesus. He's saying, guard them, protect them, keep them, if you will. Keep keep them. Don't don't let the, the world, don't let the difficult seasons of life that they are going to go through, don't let it rob them from their influence to a lost world. Keep them, protect them by your holy name. And we kind of miss this because we don't names are just names for 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 us. But in that day and time, when you said the name of God, especially in the Old Testament, it wasn't just a name, it was a character and it revealed power. He is saying, protect them by your powerful name. On the name of God is a mighty tower, and the righteous run to it. Psalmist says, protect them by your name. Look at what he says in verse 12. Again, he's, you just hear this, you hear this passion of Jesus. I, 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 I've been with them. I've been protecting them. I've been guarding them. But I'm about to, I'm about to leave. And, and, and they're going to be in the world, but they're not to be of the world, but they're also not to be absent from it. Listen to what he says. While I was with them, I was protecting them. I was keeping them by your name. I was doing this. You have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them is lost except the son of destruction so that the Scripture may be fulfilled. He's talking about Judas here. Judas, the one of the disciples, one of the twelve, who was prophesied about that he would betray Jesus Christ. And he says, not one of the ones that you gave me has been lost. I I protected them, God. I guarded them. Verse 13, now I'm coming to you. He's already said that once. 
He's hinted at it a second time. And here he clearly says it. I, I'm coming to you. And I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy complete, so that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. This is so beautiful. Jesus could have prayed this prayer. He could have told his disciples, hey guys, you stay right here. I'm going to go on a little farther and I'm going to pray. And we would never have the account of John chapter 17. Jesus could have been praying around the disciples and he could have prayed in silence. We would have never had the account of John chapter 17. Jesus prays out loud. He has it recorded for all of time for a purpose. What's that purpose? He is praying this out loud so that they may have my joy. So that as they hear me praying these things, as they hear my confidence as you, in you, as they hear that, that they have been guarded, that they have been protected by your holy name, and it is that same holy name that will guard and protect them as I leave, my joy may be complete in them. Listen, Jesus' joy was not found in the world's recognition. Jesus' joy was not found in the things of the world. Jesus' joy was found in the confidence of God Almighty. And he says, oh, I, I speak these things. This, verses 9 through 12, literally. I, I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. The word that the world hated them. Because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And I'm not praying that you take them out. <laughs> they want to say thank you, Jesus, for that, right? I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Listen, why do Christians, think with me for just a moment. Why do Christians need protection from Satan? And that's what the evil one is referencing to. Jesus said, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. I'm praying that you protect them from the evil one. Why do Christians need protection from Satan? Romans chapter 8 verse 38 tells us that nothing could snatch us out of the hand of God. So why would Jesus be saying, I know nothing can snatch them out of your hand. They're safe and they're secure. Why do I need to be praying this? Listen, Satan can't take you out of this world, but he can take away your godly influence. That's what Jesus is praying for. Let me say that again. Satan cannot take you out of this world, but he can take away your godly influence. How do we live in the world but not of the world? How do we live in the world and not be absent of the world? We must recognize how Jesus is praying for us. He is praying that we be protected. Listen, when the lost world encounters you, may they also encounter Christ. Let me say that again. When a lost world, when an unbelieving, people whose morals, whose values, whose beliefs are in rebellion to God, when they come in contact with you, may they come in contact with God. 
Not only is Jesus praying for our protection, that's the first how. And that's defensive. The second is offensive. Offense. Look at verse 16. Jesus is praying for your sanctification. That's a big word. Sanctification. What does sanctification mean? Sanctification is the divine process whereby God molds us according to his righteousness. Sanctification is a divine process where God molds us according to his righteousness, according to his holiness. Just kind of a picture, if you will, is more of Christ and less of me is sanctification. More of Christ in my thoughts and less of me in my thoughts. More of Christ in my passion and less of me in my passion. More of Christ in my desires and less of me in my desires. More of Christ, less of me. That's sanctification. To quote one theologian, listen to what he says. Sanctification and revelation are inextricably intertwined. For without God's revelatory word to our life, the process of sanctification cannot begin. Here's what he's saying. That without God's word, you and I cannot be sanctified. Which is exactly what Jesus says. Look at verse 16. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. From Genesis to Revelation, listen, you want to have less of you, then get into more of God's word. You want to have less of your desires, then get into more of God's word and find out what his desires are. You want to have more of God's passions, then get into God's word and let God's passions get into you. That's what John chapter 17, verse 17 is saying. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. Here's what that is saying. Since we're in the world, God protect them. This is what Jesus is saying. Since we are in the world, we're not being taken out of the world, but since we are going to live in the world, Jesus is saying, God, protect them. And so that we won't be of the world, God sanctify them. Let me say that again. Since we're in the world, Jesus says, God protect them. But so that we won't be of the world, God sanctify them. The sanctification is what keeps us from being shaped and molded by the world. That's the goal of sanctification, or that's one of the purposes of sanctification, is that so that the world doesn't shape and mold us into its ways. Think about it. If we disassociate, we can't affect a lost world around us. This is so key here. If we was to live in a Christian bubble all the time, listen, there are times when Christians need to come together, like this right here. There are times when we need to be encouraged, we need to be lifted up, we need to be edified by being with brothers and sisters in Christ, worshiping God as one. 
But we can't disassociate ourselves from the world. Listen, if we disassociate ourselves from the world, we can't affect a lost world around us. If, if we separate, we have no ability to influence a lost community. If, let me, let, me, let me ask it this way, maybe a challenging, probing question. If the advancement of the gospel was dependent on you sharing the gospel, was dependent on when people came in contact with you God spilled out all over them. Where would we be five years down the road? Listen, I'm not talking about us as a church as a whole. I'm talking about each one of us individually. Where would we be five years down the road, ten years down the road? Listen, we, 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 can't, we can't assume it is someone else's responsibility. Jesus has called us all to be ministers of the gospel. He's called us all to share our faith. He's called us all to live out our faith. He's called us all to live in such a way that in the world that he has left us in, that we impact and we influence those around us for the good. Listen, if we separate, we have no ability to influence a lost community. But let me take it just another step further. If there is no sanctification in our lives, if there is no sanctification in our lives, then when we do associate, we also have no effect and no influence. You get that? Defense, Jesus saying, protect them from the evil one. Offense, sanctify them so that they can have effect, so that they can have an influence, so that they can imp- uh, uh, impact a lost world around them. But listen, if we associate but we don't sanctify, we don't affect, we don't influence for the good. Listen, association, write this down. It's good alliteration. Association without sanctification is an abomination to God. Let me say it again. Association without sanctification is an abomination to God. We are called, listen, God has left us in this world for a purpose. What do you think it is? To live out our desires and dreams and passions? No, that's secondary. It is to bring honor and glory to Him. And he has put us in association with a lost world. And association without our sanctification is abomination to God. And Jesus prays for us, defensively protect them, offensively sanctify them so that they can have an influence. Listen, defense can win championships uh, as Texas Tech has proven, right? I'm not sure what they said, but they said something, I think, that was happy for tech. Wreck them. Okay, wreck them. Wreck them. I didn't, I didn't get it. Defense can win championships, but at some point you have to shoot the ball. Right? 
At some point, you have to shoot the ball. Look at verse 18. Here's shooting the ball. Jesus has prayed for our defense. He has prayed for our offense. In verse 18, look at what he says. As you sent me into the world, God. Remember, he's praying to God. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world, and I sanctify myself for them so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Here's Jesus putting us inside of a cannon, shooting us out into the world, and he was sanctified for our good, for us, so that we can be sanctified by the truth. Let me quickly share with you four steps, if you will, to sanctification. Four steps to sanctification. They're not going to be on the screen. I just want you to write them down. Number one, if you want to be sanctified, if you want there to be less of you and more of Christ in every area of your life, in your family relationships, in your school relationships, in your business relationships, on and on and on, in every area of your life, if you want to see sanctification grow. More of Christ, less of you. Number one, do this. Spend time in his word. You remember what he said? Sanctify them by the, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. Spend time in his word. Psalm 119 verse 9 says this. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. This and that applies to every single one of us. How can any of us keep our way pure? By keeping your word. We can't keep what we don't know. Listen to you, if you want to be sanctified, step number one, spend time in his word. Feed yourself on the word of God. I heard this illustration shared by a preacher a couple of years ago, and I want to steal it from him, and I'm going to share it this morning. It's an old Cherokee Indian sitting around a campfire talking to his grandson. He's telling his grandson about life and how to win. And he tells his grandson, he says, Son, there's, in my heart there are two wolves that are constantly fighting. They're constantly battling one another. One wolf is full of selfishness, full of rage, full of hatred. The other wolf is full of love is full of compassion, is full of joy. And they're constantly, these two wolves are constantly battling inside of my heart. The little grandson looked up at the grandfather and he says, well, granddaddy, which, which wolf wins? The grandfather said, the one you feed. The one you feed. Listen, feed yourself on the word of God. Digest it. Let it get inside of you. You will be sanctified by the Word. Listen, oftentimes we come to the Word and we're like, God, what would you have to say to me today? And we flip through it and we go to it and we go, oh, that doesn't say anything to me. That's lamentations. I can't get anything out of lamentations, although you can. Don't, don't believe that. But, but you, you see what I'm saying? We're, we're constantly, we're looking, we're wanting to know, well, God, what do you have for me at this very moment? Listen, sometimes God doesn't have anything for you at the very moment. But listen, you are feeding on it. And as you feed on it, as you continue to feed on it, you will go through the sanctification process, and you will find more of Christ and less of you. Step number two to grow in sanctification. Pray, this sounds so simple, but pray and talk to him throughout the day. Pray and talk to him throughout the day. Listen, never let your sin get moldy. 
Never, never grow comfortable with your sin. Talk to him about it throughout the day. Let your repentance be fresh. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18 says this, Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Listen, spend time. It doesn't have to be a formal getting on your knees, closing your eyes, bowing your head in prayer. It can be all throughout the day. Praying to God. Speak to Him. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The third step to grow in sanctification is listen to worship music. Listen to sermons. We live in a world of technology that makes this so easy. Listen, when you begin to do this, you, you will hope a train comes that you have to sit and wait on. You will, because you're like, man, I, I, can, I can finish this sermon. I can, I can finish, I can praise a little bit longer. Man, spend time worshiping the Lord, and spend time with the Word of God being taught to you, being poured over you. And this is a great place right here on Sunday morning, but don't let it be the only time. Listen, find some great podcasts. Find some great worship music. Find some old hymns. Oh, the rich, rich old hymns. Spend some time listening to them. Fourth, if you want to grow in sanctification, serve the local body of Christ. Serve the local body of Christ. Right here, First Baptist Church, Farwell. Serve the church. Listen, you'll never be more like Christ than when you're serving. You'll never be more like Christ when you're serving. Listen, something happens when you stop being a consumer. You start being a provider. When you start serving. Listen, there's something inside of us that moves moves us from being lethargic. And it gets us active. It, it, it stretches us. It, it causes us to be dependent on God. Listen, there's some things you can do in your own strength, but after a while, you'll run out of your strength. You'll run out of your energy, and you'll have to be dependent on God. Oh, what a beautiful prayer that Jesus prays for us. God, protect them. God, sanctify them so that as they are in the world, They don't have to be of the world, but they also don't have to be absent of the world. They can influence, they can impact the lost world around. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.